Good morning. It's good to be here this morning. But the best thing about it is we're praising God, but we're showing the devil that even fear won't keep us from serving our Heavenly Father. And I, I, I commend each and every one of you, especially even the ones that are viewing this on the teleconference now. You were showing the devil that even in our our uh, our life when we are concerned and we should be concerned about our health and everything, we still know who our Heavenly Father is and we're still going to depend on him because the devil's going to use every trial, every trick that he can to try and get us. He tries every temptation and he says, you know, the temptation's not working. Let me try something else. Let me try fear. But all he's doing is drawing us closer to God because it gives us time that we can read and we can study more about our Heavenly Father. Come across an article in, in reading that I thought was very or so. I'll get a bit of this lesson this morning. It's borrowed, but he didn't mind me using it to go along with what I've added to help us understand this tool that the devil is trying to use to pull us away from God. Because when, just out of the human nature, when we pray and we ask God to help us do something, and it don't turn out the way we want to. Our human nature wants to tell us, you know, God's not interested in you. God's not wanting to help you. And I can see where it'd be so easy for us to fall into that trap. Well, we're going to stand strong and show it. Yes, God does love each and every one of us. And as I said uh, last Lord's Day, I'm sure that God wouldn't allow his son to uh, give his life on the cross for forgiveness of our sins just to later on turn his back on us. I'm going to stand here and tell you that God's word tells us, and I'm a true believer of it, that God has not forsaken anybody. Lesson this morning is, do not be afraid nor dismayed. And when I was flipping through some articles, it just caught my attention. Fear is one of the, the greatest enemies of our faith. Now some of the definitions of fear are terror, dread, horror, fright, panic, and alarm. <clears throat> We've been through several things throughout the last few years. We had 9-11. How it brought terrorists, draw fear into everybody's hearts. But it didn't separate us. It drew us closer together, but it drew us closer to God because that was the record sale of Bibles. This should be the same thing today. This type of paralyzing fear is a tool of Satan, as I said, intended to divert our focus away from God and Christ. Now, in the beginning, the emotion of fear was foreign to the first couple. I was thinking back, when exactly did fear enter into our society? Looking back, we have to go all the, way, all the way back to the book of Genesis. The first time we see the word afraid in Scripture is in Adam's reply to God, Genesis chapter 3, verse 10, when asked where he was. Adam answered God by saying, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. 
Genesis chapter 3, verse 10. Now when Adam ate of the forbidden fruit, this act of disobedience was his pivotal turning point in his relationship with our Creator. The ramifications were beyond his calculations. It was time for Adam to be afraid because at that point, he knew he had disobeyed God's one and only commandment to him and Eve. And that's the same thing it should do to each and every one of us today. When we come to realization, oops, I've disobeyed God's command, we should be afraid. But that fear shouldn't drive us away from God. It should pull us back closer to God because we know that we have a Heavenly Father that loves us so much that when we, even though we have sinned, He still loves us, that He gave His begotten Son to die in, in place of us so we can have forgiveness of our sins. So it should, we should use that fear to drive ourselves to get repentance while we still have a chance. Now since the garden, God has repeatedly commanded His people not to fear, not to be afraid. God told Abram to leave his family and all that he had to go to a land that he would show him in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Now, Abram did exactly as God commanded him. Genesis chapter 15, uh, verse 1 tells us that the word of the Lord came to him in a vision saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. And that's what we have to thank God today. He is our great shield. Now he's given us our common sense that we know what we must do to protect ourselves. We have to follow that. And when God spoke to the people on Mount Sinai, they cried out to Moses out of the trembling and said to him to listen to God's voice and tell them what they were to do because they were afraid. They were commanded in Exodus chapter 20, verse 20. Exodus 20 and 20. And Moses said to the people, Do not fear, for God has come to test you, and that his fear may be before you, so that you may not sin. Now when Moses told uh, God's law to his people, he commanded them in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 31 and 8, and the Lord. He is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor yet forsake you. Do not fear, nor be dismayed. Then we see in the book of Judges, Judges chapter 7, is one of the most vivid accounts in the Old Testament that demonstrates terror and dread on the part of God's people. Because of their rebellion, their disobedience, God's people were being horribly oppressed by the Midianites. Now Gideon is God's chosen vessel to end this oppression. The Lord has said to Gideon, the people who are, are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into your hands. Least Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, My own hand has saved me. Judges chapter 7, verse 2. Now God told him to tell the people, Whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart at once from Mount Gilead. Now Gideon had 32,000 men. We're told in Judges chapter 7, verse 3, that 22,000 of the cowards went away in fear. God then told Gideon that he still had too many men. So God instructed him, giving the remaining 10,000 men a test by the manner in which they drank water. And of that number, 
9,700 failed God's test. God was, Gideon was instructed to take the remaining 300 men into battle. I'm here to tell you that took a lot of faith. It took a lot of faith to go in with 32,000. But it takes a lot more faith to go into this battle with just 300 men. God told him by those 300 men, he would save him and deliver the Midianites into his hand. Every man stood in his place all around the camp and God delivered the Midianites into their hands. The Lord set every man's sword against his companion throughout the whole camp. Judges 7, 21 and 22. We see in 1 Samuel 14 and 6. 1 Samuel 14 and 6. For nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. Another book we're going to look at is 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles chapter 20 is the narrative of one of God's leaders, King Jehoshaphat. King Jehoshaphat and the people experiencing severe panic and alarm over the ensuing enemy. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon a Levite in the midst of the assembly. Now God's command in Chronicles, excuse me, chapter 20, verse 15. Second Chronicles, chapter 20, verse 15. And he said, Listen, all of you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, King Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord to you, Do not be afraid or dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. God's command not to be afraid is repeated again in verse 20 of that same chapter 20. Excuse me, verse 17. Verse 17 of that same chapter 20. When it says, you will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Do not fear, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. At these words, their fear was turned to active, obedient, and trust and faith. And all of their enemies were defeated. That is the only way we're going to be able to beat defeat this coronavirus or COVID-19, how you call it. We have wonderful scientists working steadily on it. I feel in my heart that they're doing all they can. They're trying all the experiments and everything they can. I think they're, they're intelligent people. But it's only with God's help and God's guidance that we're going to be able to do it. He's given us people that were smart enough to know how we need to defend it. And they're giving it to us. So we need to have our faith and trust in God and do as we're told. Now during his ministry, Jesus was constantly saying to his disciples and apostles not to fear, not to be afraid. We stop and think, how could someone walk physically with Jesus, be afraid, or have fear in their hearts. And then we have to go a little further, a little deeper into the subject. If the people walking with Christ had fear and dismay in their hearts, nothing's going to prevent us from having fear. That's why we need to get closer to God. 
Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 32. Matthew 14, 22 through 32 is the account of Peter walking on the water to Jesus. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. Matthew 14, 26, 27. Now this fear was turned to faith as they witnessed Peter walking on the water. His faith became, became in fear and Jesus saving him. Now shortly before his death, Jesus said to the apostles, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. John 14, 27. John 14 and 27. Now we are reminded in 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. 1 John 4 and 18. When it says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not made, been made perfect in love. <clears throat> fear and faith cannot dwell in the same heart at the same time. <clears throat> so we have to decide. We're going to have fear in our heart, or we're going to have faith in our heart. Now when we have fear in our hearts, we can just go on and worry about life. Or we can have that same fear in our hearts and through our faith in God, we can have love. Because, as I said, fear involves torment. When John had been exiled to the island called Patmos, he wrote, speaking of Jesus Christ, Revelations chapter 1, verse 17. Revelation 1 and 17. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. <clears throat> but he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. In other words, think of that Alpha and the Omega. The only type of fear that God demands us is a healthy, reverential fear of him. Now one might ask, now wait a minute. Why do I need to fear of God? God loves me. Psalms chapter 89, verse 7. Psalms 89 and 7 declares, God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints and to be held in reverence by all those around him. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. Matthew 10 and 28. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him, fear him who is able to destroy both soul and and body in hell. <clears throat> Sometimes we are told to fear stuff for our own safety. I know when I was 17 I went into the service. I grew up in the big town of Hortense. They put me on an airplane, never been on a plane before, put me on one of the big old 747s and shot me straight to Fort Dix, New Jersey, right across from McGuire Air Force Base. I was a full country boy. Didn't know what was going on. All I know is this big guy in fatigue jumped on the, on the bus. And time he got on the bus, just when he opened his mouth and said hello, he commanded authority. 
He claimed to be what they call the weed eater. He weeds out the weak. He said, some of y'all might call me names. Some of y'all might hate me. And I'm sitting here thinking the whole time, who in the world would ever call this giant a name? And I kind of want to look around cracking my eye without, you know, being obvious. But then he points me out and said, I see you looking around. Me and him, we gained a lot of respect for each other. But he said he was our senior drill sergeant. Ones in the military know that that is one man you hate to see coming around. You know trouble's coming. His first talk to us after we got off the bus incident, what he told us, he said, I know some of y'all are going to be scared. He said, but I'm going to tell you right now, your barracks are only five stories tall. Don't get on top of that barrack jumping off trying to kill yourself. He said, don't get a razor blade and cut yourself this way. All you're going to do is cause big paperwork. Now that man brought fear into our hearts. He had just come back from Panama from jungle warfare training. We didn't like that man at all. We didn't like hearing his name. But about three quarters way through our training, every time we had a question, that was the man that we went to. Because we realized that he put fear in our hearts for our own goodness. And that's the same thing today. God allowed fear to come in our hearts for our own protection, our own goodness of ourselves, so that we would go to him in prayer. Just like the senior, field, uh, senior drill sergeant, we would go to him wanting to know the best uh, solution. That's the same thing with God. We would go to him in prayer to get the best solution to life pro problems. Because he is the one that is in charge of our souls. When Israel demanded a king to rule over them, they wanted to be like the nations around them. This greatly distressed Samuel. However, God told him not to despair. He said, they had not rejected him, but they had rejected God to give them what they wanted. <clears throat> Brother Clay's been doing first and second Samuel on Wednesday night, doing a great job teaching them. Helping us realize and understand. 1 Samuel chapter 12, verses 14 through 25. Samuel tells the people of God's expectation in having an earthly king ruling over them. Samuel warns them in 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 14. 1 Samuel 12 and 14. <clears throat> he told them, he said, If you fear the Lord and serve him, and obey his voice, and do not rebel against the commandments of the Lord, then both you and the king who reigns over you will continue following the Lord your God. Samuel further uh, warns them in verses 24 and 25 of 1 Samuel chapter 12, when he says, Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart. For consider the great things he has done for you. But if you still do wickedly, you shall be swept away, both you and your king. Reverential fear and obedience to God is absolutely essential if we are to have a healthy relationship with him. Reverential fear and obedience assures that God will hear and answer our prayers. Then we go back to another Bible character that I'm, I'm still studying on. We see the priest Zacharias and his wife Elizabeth had no children because she was barren, and they both were well advanced in the years. 
An angel of the Lord appeared to Zacharias, and when he saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. Now Luke chapter 1, verse 13. Luke 1 and 13 says, But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid. Zacharias, for your prayers heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. Revelation of fear and obedience keeps us in favor with God. The angel Gabriel was sent to God, by God to Mary. He said to her, Rejoice highly, favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled. And he saying, and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Mary, for you have found favor with God. <clears throat> Luke chapter 1, verse 28 and 30. Rebel to fear and obedience directs and controls our conduct. Peter states, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 17 through 19. 1 Peter 1, 17 19. Peter states, And if you call on the Father... Who without partiality judges according to each one's work? Conduct yourself throughout the time of your stay here in fear, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold. For your aimless conduct received by tradition from our, your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. What he's telling us here is that no matter what temptation, what trials, what tribulation, what fear the devil throws at you, we are not to turn our backs on God. Whether it's here in the building we're studying God, whether it's at home and in front of the table, we are showing the devil, I still love my Heavenly Father. I still have faith. I'm still putting my trust and my heavenly father. So in closing, from the book of Genesis to the book of Revelations, God has solemnly commanded for all ages that we are not to live in a state of fear in the unknown. And what we do not understand, David declared in Psalm 56 and 3, Psalm 56 and 3, whenever I'm afraid I will trust in you. When we embrace that truth by faith, we will give all of our fears to the all-knowing, all-power, ever-present, and follow God of the universe. So it don't matter what your fear is. It doesn't matter what your trials, your tribulations, your temptation, or whatever it is. We have to go to God in prayer. Turn it over to God and have faith that he will take care of us and take us through it. So we need to prepare ourselves. First off, we need to be baptized. Once we've been baptized, we need to study God's word diligently as the brilliance. We need to do whatever it takes to stay in good relationship, good favor with God as these other ones did. We need to have God find favor in us. We need to be recognized as someone after God's own heart. So if you've already been baptized and you've stepped out of the way, you've yielded to Satan, 
You need the prayers and the encouragement of the congregation. We need to be just as I am and come to him now. We stand the same, our song of invitation.